Hello, everybody! Hope everyone's doing well. We have some great news to talk about because for the first time in an extremely long time, the Garden State of Hockey podcast is going to be recording an episode when the Devils are coming off of a sequence of three straight wins, and it easily could have been four, but they just had to go and blow the first one. But... The week of pity has left the Devils feeling a lot better than the week of hate did, and we all hated the week of hate. We uh, do not pity the Philadelphia Flyers after the week of pity, but the Devils did take three or four games against them. We talked about the first two games on our previous episode, and John is going to help me break down the last two wins where the Devils got contributions from uh, a lot of the guys who were really carrying the load for a bulk of the year, and some nice work from the uh, from the young guns kind of brought the Devils some needed wins and good morale, but also, not to be understated, the Philadelphia Flyers' goaltending was atrocious. Mm-hmm. You know, not that the New Jersey Devils' goaltenders have been spectacular, but I've, I've referenced this, we've discussed this on the show, I'm a big believer that a lot of the Devils' goaltenders have been victimized by the skaters. Oh man, the Flyers are a great example of no, the goalies are just bad. Like, we're just going to have pucks run through us. They're going to go off our bodies and go in. We're going to overcommit to posts. We're going to overcommit or undercommit in other areas. Like, you just can't rely on Alex Leon and uh, Brian Elliott. And unfortunately, Carter Hart and his 84 save percentage mm. in 2021 was uh, – he's been ruled out for the remainder of the season with an injury. So we did not get to have beach balls go past Carter Hart. Instead, we had beach balls going past – Lyon and Elliot in the final two games of the week of pity. And uh, the first one starts on Thursday. And uh, just to put in a little context, Dan, the first two games in this week were dramatic. Mm -hmm. The first one was dramatic for the wrong reasons because the Devils blew a two goal lead within two minutes. Yep. The third, the second one, Tuesday's game, was dramatic in ultimately the right reasons. The Devils blew a two goal lead, restored it, lost it then restored it again mm -hmm. and got an empty netter to win 6-4. So with that context in mind and the debut of Kevin Ball, because Matt Tennyson did save a goal in Tuesday's game, mm -hmm. but managed to hurt himself in the process. So Kevin Ball was called up from Binghamton to replace him. And this was a little surprising because the thing about Binghamton, Dandit, is that their defense sucks this season. And apparently they don't have enough players that normally play defense <laughs> to play at defensive positions. They actually had to use some forwards recently just to slot them in at blue line. Yeah, it was uh, seeing some of those Binghamton lineups was <laughs> very brutal. It's it's clear that the um, the Devils are hurting there for uh, any sort of injury replacements, but luckily the deadline helped them with some I guess you can now call them versatile players who are able to slot in. But yeah, Ball uh, did not look too out of place in his debut, no. nor did he look out of place in his next game. In fact, you could say he played even better in his next game. But the Devils, um, you know, had his presence felt in that game as well, where he managed to pull down his first assist. Exactly. But but that game in the second game, let's, you know, in the first game, Ball was playing a fairly steady um Performance, you know, nondescript, but that's all you want from a defenseman. Mm -hmm. if, you know, no big issues. We're not complaining that he made a big mistake or anything like that. Um, but uh, more surprisingly, Dan, than Kevin Ball having a good debut was the power play striking early for two goals. Two goals, Dan, mm -hmm. from the second unit. Yep. Both by Yegor Sharangovich, who fired a shot through Alex Leon. And then later in the first period... 
fire, you know, finished off a great feed from Damon Severson, uh, passed Leon on his flank to make it two nothing. And once again, the Devils ended a first period up to nothing and got good special teams play. They got good uh, performances. And then things got dramatic in the second period, as uh-huh. they did in the first two games. Um, a bad uh, bounce off a linesman skate from Ty Smith uh, sprung Scott Lofton or Lafton, Lawton, Lawton, whatever. Yep. He went off on a breakaway and roofed it over Blackwood to score a shorthanded goal to make it 2-1. Then shortly after that, Jesper Bokvist hit a post. The Devils recovered in the neutral zone. And then Nick Merkley made a beautiful pass to Jesper Bokvist to hammer a one-timer past Mr. Lyon to make it 3-3-1. And you're feeling, this is pretty good. And then, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, as he does in then, every then, single then... game against the Devils. Sean Couturier, when he yep. participates, found his way to the score sheet. Yep. Um, basically the same line, the Bokvist line, gets uh, pinned in their own end. They struggle to find any semblance of like where they should be. Justin Braun, of all people, uh, gets the puck, looks up and notices Sean Couturier is just hanging out on Blackwood's blind side and nobody's on him. Yep. And once again, this led to a goal against. And it was... 3-2, and now you're sweating again because we saw this in the previous two games against the Flyers. We saw this in many other games this season where you just don't have any faith and confidence in the Devils holding on to a lead, especially as the Flyers were tilting the ice more and more in the Devils' direction. Uh, they definitely dominated Corsi and expected goals and shot counts, uh, mostly because they were playing from behind. Mm-hmm. And they were doing what you would expect them to do, which is play from behind. And then you start you know, holding your breath. Oh, the Devils took a too many men on the ice penalty. Yep. Okay, hold your breath. Okay, they killed it. Good. All right. Third period. Okay, the pressure's coming. The pressure's coming. Oh, man, it would be big if the Devils could get a big goal. And then a big goal came. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's in. Uh, Will Butcher wins a puck, finds Pavel Zaka open, and then Zaka just cranks one past Lyon. It's four to two, and you just start going, ah, I can breathe again. Yeah, and that, that feeling was um... – it was interesting to just see Zaka casually carve through the neutral zone and just take it up the side and shoot. Uh, it's not really a mentality we see from him all that often. He, no. you know, usually lets other people carry it up, but it worked well. And, um, you know, his line was rolling along as later on with about four minutes left, the Flyers pulled the goalie uh, down two goals to try and even things up. And he flips a pass out to a Jesper Bratt that had a full head of steam from a sharp angle. He puts it in the empty net and it's five to two, but, uh, the special teams did not have, uh, you know, they weren't through with their moment in the sun just yet. They decided nope. to give up one last power play goal yeah. um, with little time left on the clock off of what could have been Sharon Govich's hat trick goal uh, ringing off the post back the other way, as has happened many, many times this devil season. A puck off the post from New Jersey results in a goal the other way on the immediate rush that followed that sequence. And the Flyers made it five to three. They would get no closer. No, they wouldn't. And, you know, I, you felt bad for Sharon Govich because he really did beat Lyon. Like he beat he beat the goaltender. He was denied by the frame, unfortunately. Mm. And I'm a little more annoyed at the fact that Ty Smith took the slashing call that he did. It was one of those cases where there was no need to foul his man in that situation. Um, Smith was paired with Ball, and I would argue that Smith, I think, felt more responsible to be the quote unquote veteran of the group. Um, but you know, little things like that cost you. And you know, unfortunate Sharon Govich. Could have made it a wonderful six six goal night for the Devils. Yep. Um, get his hat trick, get some hats thrown from the eyes from the thirty six hundred announced at attendance. Um, 
But instead, Travis Konechny, I'm sorry, Voracek led the counterattack, found Konechny, and he rifled one past Blackwood, who otherwise was having a good game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, at that point, it's like you scored a power play goal. There's less than two minutes left. You're down to, yeah, unless the Devils are going to just forget about Claude Giroux for the next minute 50, which they didn't, thankfully. um, The game was over. So, you know, good win. Good result at home. The Devils finally have six wins at home to match Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a long time coming. I mean, it's it's nice that they managed to finally find some sort of groove to win games. And in this kind of season, you if you get an, like into a groove against one team, it's a lot easier to keep it going if you keep playing them over and over again. And that's kind of the mm-hmm. why the season lends itself well to these long losing or winning streaks that we've been seeing um, kind of cascading throughout the league. But yeah, the Devils took that game and they carried that momentum right over into Saturday where uh, I don't think that game was ever really in doubt. I I think they really, you know, there was not a moment where it felt like it was an unsafe game in terms of the Devils game state. I mean, they were outplayed for large portions of it. That's for sure. But Blackwood looked pretty good. The Flyers opportunities weren't all that dangerous, I would say, and the Devils managed to carry a lead for the majority of this game. They started really well, really early with a Jesper Brackle. Yeah, I mean, the goal, and this is what we were talking about with Kevin Ball's first assist. He wins a puck behind the net and uh, tosses it over to Zaka, and Zaka impressively just skated it up ice. Like, he took it himself all the way up to the blue line, and this is something I've noticed in all four games by the Flyers, and even in past Devils-Flyers games, and I have a suspicion this may be one of the reasons why the Flyers are a bad hockey team this season, is that for whatever reason, their defense loves to commit to puck, whoever has the puck, kind of like the Devils do, except they back off. Mm -hmm. And when you back off off in in a transition play like this one, you're just giving up more space for the puck carrier to make a decision with. And in this case, he had Jesper Brock coming down the wing completely uncovered. Like, Zaka, you know, this was like asking... uh, you know, a PhD in math. Hey, what's two plus two? Uh, he just tossed it over to Brat, and then Brat just skated it to the left circle, and just fired a shot. What either in off Elliot's glove or his mask? Like either way, Elliot Elliot almost was like the classic case of the baseball player that lines himself under the fly ball, thinks he got it, and then the ball misses hits him in the face, hits his glove, and goes off. Like he doesn't quite get enough of it. There was absolutely no reason that shot should have gone in. No, that should have been a save, you know, for most competent goaltenders, that should have been an easy stop, you know, uh, maybe not an easy stop, but it should have been a stop. Mm-hmm. But it's Brian Elliott, it's the Philadelphia Flyers. They don't do goaltending, Dan. They just don't. It's one nothing 5 minutes in and then the pressure came from the Flyers. Yeah, and after uh, that goal, the the rest of the first period was uh, you know, you take the you, you take the rink, you tilt it entirely in the Devils' direction and you say hold hold and they did hold and they managed to escape that first period maintaining that lead although no one really felt that good about it no and it the only good thing you could say was that blackwood was definitely locked in Mm -hmm. uh he was definitely in control and i will say the devils did a pretty good job limiting the number of odd man rushes against there were a couple makeshift two-on-ones where in retrospect the flyers are going to wish they did something different on those plays Mm -hmm. But there weren't a lot of cases of like, oh, my goodness, there's five devils and they're covering none of the five flyers on the on the ice. Right. There's a lot of chasing. There was a lot of uh, confusion at times. Uh, again, the Bokefist line definitely uh, had its struggles in that regard. Uh, uh, out of all four of them, I think they had like the worst performances from a defensive standpoint of all four week, all four games. And the Flyers knew it, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Devils, 
did escape it. And fortunately, you know, for first minute of the second period, our favorite line, your favorite line, mm-hmm. the big deal finds Yannick Wakanen in the left circle. And he burns line with a one timer 52 seconds in. And now it's like, Hey, it's two, nothing. You can breathe a little bit. And then the flyers brought the pressure for the remainder. Of the yeah. And this was Hughes drawing a bunch of defenders to himself. Um, yep. Everyone had eyes on him the whole time. Quackenden. Nobody was on Quackenden. Yeah, nobody was on Quackenden. He drifts slowly out, and Hughes finds him. Uh, Quackenden puts it home, and the Devils are sitting on a two-nothing lead, and they are resisting the Flyers with everything they possibly have until we get to the third period, where the mm-hmm. Devils again, uh, amidst this onslaught, they take a penalty, but for the first time in what feels like all year, but statistically and factually has not been all year they scored a yeah. shorthanded goal as nico heischer on a um two-on-one shorthanded puts it past elliot again yeah let's walk it back a little bit here because you know I, the devil's penalty kill and the devil's power play their first power play was actually pretty good mm-hmm. they just didn't score their second power play was not good, not good. we're not going to talk about that yeah. uh <laughs> the first power play for the flyers shane goss here finally back in the lineup, uh, hit the post, and Claude Giroux seemingly had a goal on his stick on a rebound try, but he just popped it over the net. Uh, so the Devils kind of escaped that one. And so when Ty Smith decided to slash the back of Nicholas Abe Kubel's legs, mm. uh, presumably because Mr. Abe Kubel decided to take a shot at Smith, so this was a retaliation penalty, you start thinking, oh no, here, here is it going to come. It's two, it's two nothing, it's now going to be two one. It's the third period. We've seen this in third periods against the Flyers. Right. You know, you know, bad things are about to happen. And then amazingly, not only did the Devils, you know, get an early clearance, Yegor Sharangovich actually got a shot attempt off a turnover mm-hmm. by the Flyers, misses the net. So it starts the the comeback, um, the counterattack, I should say, led by Sean Couturier, you know, a very good player, Dan. Very good player. Sean Couturier is going down the down the, down the wall. He sure catches up to him. He, Connor Carrick is kind of back to like support it. He sure just straight up steals the puck from him. Like he pins him to the wall, knocks the puck loose, takes it from him. And then he one hands it past Jacob Voracek, another good player, Dan. And then he's off on a two on one and he doesn't even show past the entire time. He knew he was going to shoot this puck and he beat Elliot clean. It was a beautiful goal from the captain a man who's making over $7 million on his contract, much better from, say, I don't know, Kevin Hayes, uh, just to pick a random name. Um, and this goal was important, Dan, not just because it made it 3 nothing, but this is when the pressure really stopped from the Flyers. Yeah. Like, you could almost tell their will was broken by this goal. Yeah. Like, this was one of those, why? What are we even doing here? Well, we've experienced it many times from the other side this year. It's what oh, we yeah. call a classic backbreaker goal. But yeah, you're on the power play with the chance to make it a one-goal game, and it comes back the other way. Uh, all of a sudden, you're down three instead of potentially being down one, and it's much harder to uh, come back against a team who you know took you to a shootout and a last-minute finish to win one game against in the last week. And then the other two games were uh, obviously more dramatic, but equally as frustrating for the Flyers. This is kind of like the the end of it all, end of a tough week for them, as tough as the Devils had experienced the week before. So, um, yeah. you know, the the 
big players, Voracek, Giroud, they, they can all feel it at this point. They know that their um, primary goalie hope of the future, even though he had a very bad year, isn't playing anymore. They're not in a playoff spot. They're not really competing nope. for much. And you can kind of see it um, in their expressions. You can see it from their postgame quotes. You could see that Philadelphia is in the same place the Devils were at um, a couple of weeks ago now, that the uh, now that the realization has sunk in fully. Um, it's kind of mentally time to hit the links while the Devils are trying to make an impression at this point instead of, uh, you know, be competitive in some way. Yeah, and case in point, Dan, you know, with the early goals from the Devils in the first and the second periods, like after after the Devils scored the goal five minutes in by Brat in the first period, the Flyers went on to out-attempt the Devils 22-12 in five-on-five play, which was all at 20 minutes. It was, there was no penalties in the first minute. So again, the, the Flyers put in the work, they just didn't get the goal. Mm-hmm. Second period, Devils score 52 seconds in. Flyers out attempt the, the Devils 20 to 10. Yep. <laughs> now, and then the fly, and then with that goal by Heischer, the pressure, like I said, the pressure just stopped. Yeah, the Devils had a power play, but they didn't do anything on that power play. Even when the game went back to five on five, the Devils matched them in attempts 16 to 16. And they actually, um, you know, they only were outshot by three and typically with score effects. And that's kind of like the larger, one of the larger lessons of this whole week of games, the week of pity is that if you ever doubted the concept of score effects with Corsi and shots and expected goals, this week proved you wrong. Like score effects are absolutely a thing. And the flyers demonstrated it. However, that shorthanded goal really just, you know, kneecap the flyers because, you know, we've seen in past games from the flyers, like they will keep working. They will keep attacking their whole, the best part of their games are all offensive. You know, their best assets on defense are offensive players. Their best players are the, you know, the Couturiers, the Giroux, the Voracek's got, you know, Van der Rimsdijk, guys who score lots of goals, put up lots of points. They look great for your fantasy teams, um, but they were just ineffective. And then it, and then case in point with the fourth goal, uh, Miles Wood takes a puck in deep. You know, the Devils are going for a change. His job was just get the puck in deep. He takes a hit, dumps it to the corner, and then he goes away to get a line change. Meanwhile, the Hughes line was coming off. Mm -hmm. So the Flyers had the puck behind the net. No pressure. But Sharon Govich flies in from the blind side and forces the Flyers to make a move with the puck. The Flyers escape. So Sharon Govich, you know, he's around in the other corner. The Flyer figures, okay, I'm going to reverse it to the other corner. Easy peasy, right? I've got support there. I got my teammate like 10 feet away from me. Well, he misses his teammate 10 feet away from him, and the puck never gets to the other flyer on the half wall because Jack Hughes steps in and and steals the puck Mm -hmm. and finds, hey, Jaeger Sharangovich is in the middle of the ice with literally nobody around him. Literally nobody. All five flyers are like in the periphery of the entire play. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like they're in practice mode at this point. Like, yep, we blew the play, guys. Let's just see it happen. And and it did happen. Pass, shot, score, four, nothing. Devils fans like myself were happy. Happy to see that the Devils weren't just cruising on a three-nothing lead. They sought to get that fourth goal. Nearly scored a fifth goal, Dan. Yeah. Nearly scored a fifth. And um, you know, Joel Farabee scores the most consolation of consolation goals. It was a good shot, ruins a shutout for Blackwood. But it was, you know, a game where the Devils survived the storm of pressure, survived the storm of possession against them, survived the zone time against them, came out with scores, and then just they just broke the Flyers down. And now, you know, it was truly the week of pity, Dan. I almost pity 
the Flyers by the end of that game. I, I want them to adapt this mentality that they had against the Flyers all week of, well, we know that their goalies are particularly vulnerable right now. Let's just shoot as much as we can. Let's put ourselves in mm-hmm. good places and just throw stuff at the net. And for the most part, you can see psychologically the difference between the Devils' shooting patterns in this week compared to the weeks before where they were kind of nervous to take shots. They made the extra mm-hmm. pass a lot of the time, and all the shots that they were taking were missing the net by miles at a time. Now, when they enter this week, perhaps they have it on their mind that the Flyers' goaltending situation has been a bit vulnerable because they were just flinging whatever onto the goal. Sharon Govich shot mm-hmm. from everywhere. It doesn't matter what the angle is, doesn't matter where it's going, just get it on net and who knows? The goalie might miss yep. it. And while this mentality is you know, visible in someone like him in other games, it wasn't as visible as it was in the rest of the team um, as it was this series. It was the whole team, basically their mantra was, throw everything on there, let's see what happens. And uh, I want them to hold on to this, and I want them to make sure they remember this feeling, because while not every goalie is going to allow goals like an absolute sieve, um, you're still going to create a lot more opportunities for yourself if you just make the simple choices and make the fundamentally correct choices instead of trying to get too cute in your own defensive zone, too complicated in the offensive zone, and you take too long to make decisions. And so they accelerated those processes this week. Absolutely. And again, with the Devils having nothing to play for, there's no real downside to this. Like, no one's going to be mad that you took a shot and the goaltender makes a save. There were points of this game where, in the like, take Saturday's game against the Flyers, where the Flyers were spending, like, a minute, you know, 30 seconds to a minute at a time in the Devils' end of the rink. I was sitting there thinking, it would be great if the Devils just took the puck up ice and just shot it into Elliott's logo. You know, let him just swallow a puck and take a freeze. Because at the very minimum, you give Blackwood a time to catch catch his breath. You give your defense a time to catch your breath. You're allowed to change players freely. And if you lose the faceoff, I'd rather you lose it in the Flyers' end of the rink than in your end of the rink. Mm -hmm. Because, again, for most of this game, it wasn't that large of a deficit. The Flyers were, you know, they were only down one goal in the first period. They were only down two in the second period. You know, like I said, the Heischer goal really broke that team and broke the game. Um, But... um, you know, the Flyers were putting in the work. They were they had the zone time. Um, but fortunately for the Devils, Blackwood has been playing very well. Um, the defense hasn't gave up too many, too many uh, awful situations where they were just going to get burned. And, um, you know, they got the W for it. But, yeah, in the, in the next four games coming up when they're going to be playing teams that deserve to be in the playoffs, will be in the playoffs, and they have goaltenders that are, you know, like really good as opposed to, you know, the Flyers. Um, yeah, I agree. Just fire it at will because who knows? You know, you, you're not going to necessarily be able to break down the other team's much more competent defense than the Flyers to, you know, get the killer one-timer or get the killer shot. Just skate up if you've got a look. Give it a go, man. I'd rather you try than not try. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's something that I hope they take these lessons that they learn at the end of the year when the uh, stakes could not be lowered to heart. I hope they carry them with them. And again, the value of experience is we're seeing it being acquired right here, right now. While they may not be playing for any sort of, you know, stakes, they may not be playing for a playoff spot this time around. They're still getting good game experience and learning to manage the highs and lows of a professional hockey season. And that's kind of what we went into this year wanting the Devils to achieve. And they've also had seven players make their NHL debuts, and some of them have managed to um, acquire more regular time in the lineup as well. So 
really good that, you know, while it took a lot of pain to get there, uh, they're still finding ways to win games and have interest in winning games and have interest in scoring goals. And that's great to see for a group of forwards that is almost all 26 or below. Exactly. And and another reason, and this is a very important for the next five games, because the Devils are basically done with this season. Like mm-hmm. they're letting their next five games are their five last games. I'll go over the schedule in a little bit. But if you want a reason why, you know, why should we care? You know, the team's basically going to be done after 930 or thereabouts, uh, 930 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on May 10th. But uh, for a number of the players on the current roster that we've seen uh, against the Flyers, they're playing for contracts. They're playing like it is their time to make a last good impression on management and the coaching staff. And to that end, that's why I'm very happy to see that Kwakin and Sharon Govich, both of whom need new contracts, have been playing very well around Hughes. I think it's legitimately possible that we have that line start next season. And, you know, may, on paper it may not be the best, but can you really argue against the results that they've been providing? Like, even against good teams, they've been the sole consistent offensive spark of the team, even amid the 10-game losing streak in April. Like, this line is a line. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Sharon Govich getting goals, Kwakin and getting goals, that can only help the bottom line for that next contract. Likewise, uh, Nick Merkley, he's up for he's up for a new contract as well. So he has not always been in the lineup. There have been a couple times he's been in the scratch. So being able to dish some sweet passes to Jesper Bokvist, it, you know, helps his cause. Michael McLeod and Nathan Bastion also up for new contracts after this season. You know, they've established themselves as a fourth line um, capable pl- set of players. They've been killing some penalties. Great, but those types of players are easily replaceable too. So, you know, this is their time to show that, no, don't go to the free agency market. Just sign us and you'll be set. That's the kind of argument that they're making. And then you have guys like Connor Carrick and Ryan Murray who they're pending UFAs. Um, It remains to be seen whether or not they're going to stay with New Jersey or if they want to stay with New Jersey. But Carrick has been not in the lineup at all. Like it's important that he just gets in a game so he can go to other teams and say, hey, guys, this is what I can do. Go pay me. And Ryan Murray is another case of like, I may have not had the best season, but if I play well these last few games, maybe that's enough to, you know, get some interest from some teams that, you know, are willing to take a chance on me. Maybe not at 4.6 million a year, but uh, a new contract. So they have incentive to play, even though the team doesn't as a whole. Mm -hmm. And um, that leads me, I guess, is a good time as any to go over who the Devils are playing next, Dan. Yeah, because unfortunately, they're not playing bad teams like the Flyers. Oh, this is not going to be a fun week for the Devils. Well, so this is, I mean, the Devils can also participate in formally eliminating the Rangers as well. I think the tragic number for the Rangers is exactly one point gained or lost, uh, gained by Boston or lost by New York. So the Devils play the Bruins in the next two games. If they allow them to gain a single point, they will eliminate the Rangers from the playoffs. You know, that raises a good point. I completely forgot that on Thursday, Mm -hmm. Thursday's win officially eliminated the Flyers. Mm -hmm. So the Devils could be involved in dooming another team. I mean, if you go to Money Puck right now, their odds are literally less than 0.1%. I mean, that loss to the Islanders. Their their two shutout losses to the Islanders were like the exact worst results possible. Yeah. Um, And Boston, of course, was playing Buffalo at the same time, which guess what, guys? Buffalo wasn't going to do anybody any favors. And surprise, surprise, Taylor Hall looks pretty good in Boston. Yeah, that's the other thing. I was about to say that, you know, our hated rivals may appreciate the fact that the Boston Bruins are like the one team the Devils have played really well against this season. Mm -hmm. But that team did not have Taylor Hall. And more importantly, that team did not have an incredible motivation 
for their, you know, for this week, Dan, because if you go to the standings right now, uh, fortunately, as we're recording this, it's Sunday. Uh, there's only one NHL game this season, uh, this day, and it's not even just in the East, so no the standings sense, are the same. Man. It just like, Can well, we talk about this for a second, that there were 15 sure. games yesterday, one game today, and 14 games tomorrow? Who Look, plans this? NBC. Who does this? this? Why? NBC. Get rid of them. them. We're done with well, them. They are, get, they are getting rid of Give them. Give me seven a night. Enough. Enough. This is insane. It's seven well, games a night, evenly distributed, stagger the start times. Make sure that you can occupy someone's entire night by watching hockey. Do you not want the sport to grow? My God. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I was about to say, it's a beautiful day, Dan. Just go outside and touch some grass instead. I'm heated. Uh, <laughs> I'm heated. The pollen count's really high. All I can do is be mad about this indoors. <laughs> okay, fine. In any case, my point is that the, the top four teams in the East make the playoffs. And we've known who those four teams are for the better part of the last month. Yep. Uh, our hated rivals were the only team that could potentially crash the party, but they needed like a miracle run of games, which they never got. And they needed Boston and the Islander or the Islanders to fall apart, which they never did. They basically needed so, Buffalo to be a completely different team this week. Correct. They needed, they needed Buffalo to actually win more than just one of their six games against Boston last month, which guess what? They did it. Yeah. Um, in any case, so here's how the standings work out. Uh, Pittsburgh is your current leaders right now with 71 points in 52 games played. They have 26 regulation wins. The Washington Capitals, whom the Pittsburgh Penguins beat last night, have a very nice 69 points and 51 games played with the exact same number of regulation wins um, as the Penguins. So basically, the top of the division is still up for grabs. The important thing here is that the top two teams, Dan, will get home ice for the first round because mm -hmm. it's going to be one versus four and two versus three. And this is incredibly crucial to the Islanders because the Islanders have the best record at home this season. For Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum is Fort Never Lose 2.0 this season. Mm -hmm. They have only lost six games at home, and three of those were regulation losses. So they've gotten points out of all but three games at home this season. That's that is amazing. Not too bad. Also... They have the second worst away record in the division. <laughs> so the Islanders, as if, as things currently stand, they start on the road in the playoffs. They do not want that. Yeah. They should want that. Yeah. They absolutely do not need that. And then there's Boston, who have 66 points. So they're a point behind the Islanders. And they have two games in hand on the Penguins and one game in hand on the Islanders. They will have two makeup games after Saturday's game. So Boston still has a real chance of getting home ice. And while Boston has proven themselves to be road warriors in a sense, they have a 14-8-3 record away from uh, the TD Center. But, you know, in general, for the playoffs, you want to start out at home. Why wouldn't you? So Boston could still take home ice. So what that means is that the Devils will be playing a Boston team that has every motivation possible to get wins on Monday and Tuesday to help their cause to charge up the standings in the East and give themselves a better playoff position than say starting in Pittsburgh where the Penguins have been almost as good as the Islanders at home this season. Um, so the devils have nothing to play for, like literally nothing to play for. Mm. Like they're, they're almost locked in at seventh place right now. Like they're not going to catch Philly for sixth. Buffalo's not going to catch him. So this game is ultimately meaningless outside of the fact that it's fan appreciation night at the rock. And maybe the devils want to have like one more home win, and one more night to send the fans fans home happy for a change, but I do I wouldn't put money on it. And then after Monday Tuesday, Dan, they will be playing the Islanders, the aforementioned team that absolutely needs to have home ice right. out of all the teams in the East. And by the way, Dan, this is actually historical because these two home these two games are both at Nassau. 
They are the final regular season home games at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Dan, because the Islanders are going to be moving into the UBS Arena in Belmont next season. Um, the Islanders, again, have turned that building into Fort Deverloose 2.0. It's the, the stories write themselves. You know, they have been fantastic at home. The fans have started to show up more often. They, they're loving it in Uniondale, Dan, after three decades of or close to four decades of an absolute nonsense of trying to get a new arena built. The old barn that was built in 1972 is going to have one hell of a send off. And the Islanders have every possibility of getting home ice. And you better believe that place is going to be rocking for the playoffs, even if there's only a thousand or so people in the stadium. Like they will make a thousand people sound like 20,000 easily. And again, the Devils have nothing to play for and they have done absolutely nothing in Nassau this season. So, right. Um, if you're expecting the Devils to win any of these four games, um, I would caution against a lot of hope. Yeah. I'm not going to say they're going to go 0 and 4, Dan, but I'm not going to expect them to, you know, keep the winning streak alive. If they do, some other teams fans are going to be really happy with the Devils, but again, the Islanders have a lot to play for. They have the emotional aspect of closing Nassau before the playoffs, and then you got a Boston team that has everything to play for against the Devils team that has nothing to play for plus a Taylor Hall that also needs a new contract and has everything to prove in terms of, yeah, I can come up in big, important games. Watch this. Yeah, the Devils-Boston factor may not be as important in this version of the matchup when Boston's actually trying to go all out to uh, win impactful games. But I don't think it's you know the worst thing in the world that the Devils lose a couple times too and end up below a couple of other teams in the draft order. So... It, it's, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, I'm not going to cheer for them to lose. I'd love for them to give a good effort just so, you know, they feel good about themselves going into next season. But again, if the results don't go that way, I'm not necessarily going to be as disappointed as I would be as if they made the difference between them making the playoffs and not, obviously. Well, let me uh, allay your concerns, Dan, because even with the 3-0-1 week that they just had against the Flyers, the New Jersey Devils, as of right now, are sitting 29th in the league. Like, they were 30th at worst. Like, I think after that loss to the uh, the, the shootout loss, they were at, like, 30th for, like, a hot minute before Anaheim uh, decided Anaheimed. to lose. Yeah, they got Anaheim. Uh, poor Anaheim. I mean, Ryan Miller's calling it a career. You love to see it when the opposition shakes his hand after losing to them. Yeah. Because it was a rivalry game against L.A. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they understand the gravitas of Ryan Miller in this league, which Respect. is good. One of the one of the better American goalies of history. Exactly. I, I can't hate on that. But also, he's a duck right now. It's hard to hate on the ducks. Yeah. Um, but in any case, uh, the Devils are currently sitting at 41 points with 51 games played. Anaheim's in 30th with 39 points and 52 games played. So the Devils actually have an advantage in terms of games played. And then you got Buffalo sitting in 31st, who, whom was only behind by the Devils for a point after that shootout loss and then proceeded to lose four straight last week. So, you know, they pretty much have 31st pretty much locked in at 33 points in 52 games. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the best – yeah, the Devils – like if the Devils stay hot, they could move up the league standings really fast mm -hmm. because Vancouver has 41 points. Granted, they've only played 45 games. So, I mean, Vancouver's not going to stay in 28th. But Columbus has 43 points in 52 games. Ottawa has 43 points in 51 games. Los Angeles has 44 points in 49 games. Detroit, who is currently losing to Tampa Bay right now, 2-1. Uh, but I'm going to assume they're going to lose to Tampa Bay because that should happen. Uh, they're going to have 45 points in 54 games. Like, 
if the Devils somehow bang out some W's over the B's and the Isles mm-hmm. and absolutely disappoint their fans, because their fans would be absolutely traumatized if the Devils spoil their uh, potential playoff hopes uh, to give them a really bad matchup, an unfavorable matchup uh, for the first round, then the Devils could move up pretty quickly. But again, the Devils are playing teams that have something to play for, and the Devils don't. So, you know, the Devils are in a real good spot to still pick in the top 10 for this draft. They're still going to have good odds in the lottery. It's going to be fine, Dan. Yeah. It's going to be, they're not going to turn into Philadelphia where it's like the best we're hoping is 12th overall outside of a lot miracle lottery win. And, and you know, honestly, at the end of the day, it's not all that fine because we don't want them to be picking this high on a regular basis. But again, if you're going to have to go through a season where your team has an outbreak of a uh, highly infectious and, uh, communicable respiratory disease, then this result is not the worst in the world. And also, again, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, we've seen a lot of the progress that we would have wanted to see from this team. We've seen a lot of the things that had us excited going into the season. And obviously, while it was nowhere near up to the standard that we had hoped for, um, you know, there's obviously inconsistencies to address, obviously some systemic changes that are needed to uh, special teams comes to mind. I don't know about you, but... Um, it's the kind of thing where, yeah, if the result is all that happened, all that progress was being shown, and we can trace it back to this season of where we first saw the flashes of, you know, Sharon Govich's scoring ability. We saw that Jack Hughes was indeed the real deal. We saw a lot of things that uh, made us hopeful for the future. Uh, hopefully it's a stepping stone to good things and having a high pick to accompany that group that we're seeing um, develop before our eyes is not the worst thing, especially when they're are a host of good defensemen available uh, near the top of the draft as well. Well, we'll have plenty of time to talk about those defensemen. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to say up front, if you're expecting, you know, the next Miro Heskinen, I don't think you should be holding your breath. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that. I'll I'll just leave it at that for the moment. (laughs) We'll have plenty. We're going to have plenty of time soon to talk about prospects and who is even available in this draft class. I mean, as of right now, if you're not interested in Devils hockey, you probably do want to pay attention to the world under 18 uh, world championships because a lot of the top prospects for the 2021 draft class is in that tournament. Plus, plenty of solid talents for the next two drafts, including – uh, what will probably be the next uh, Russian superstar, Michikov, mm-hmm. uh, who's got like nine goals and he's a 2023 draft eligible player, meaning he's a double underage player killing it at the U18s. <laughs> it's frighteningly good. Yeah. So, I mean, before we, you know, talk about him and hopefully the Devils aren't nearly as bad next year oh, as yeah. they were this year. Um, but. You know, a lot to cover in the coming weeks. We'll see the last string of Devils games played out, and we'll have coverage of that on the podcast as well. So I think I want to wrap things here, um, let everyone get back to their weeks here as the Devils close out their season. And we look ahead to a potential um, draft news, free agency news in the summer. We'll be back with you for that. One last bit of news is that as of last Friday, all the I's have been dotted, the T's have been crossed, and the Seattle Kraken can officially call themselves the 32nd member of the National Hockey League. They finally finished making the expansion fee payments official. The Kraken can now make transactions as well, so we'll see some of those pick up as the expansion draft gets closer, I'm sure. Um, But congratulations to Seattle. The city deserved a hockey team. They got one, and uh, if it's anything like Vegas' story, I'm sure it'll thrive, um, you know, in 
in Seattle, it's always had a good history of sports fanhood as well, and hockey just makes sense there. There's a lot of good reasons why the Kraken came about, and a lot of good reasons that I think fans will keep on watching. So it's exciting to welcome a new team into the fold, and looking forward to many contests against the Devils uh, in the future. Absolutely. Welcome to the league, Kraken. I hope you're worse than the devil. <laughs> that all being said. <laughs> now they... that you're competitors, I don't have to like you anymore. Well, yeah, like Vegas. <laughs> Pretty much. Thank you all for listening. I'm going to convince John that he should learn to love Vegas for the experiment that they are. But again, thank you most of all to um, you guys out there, anyone listening, any Devils fan that uh, supports our work at All About the Jersey. It's been a pleasure to bring in the podcast all year, and we'll have the last set of games wrapped up as well for the next couple of episodes. So go out there, enjoy the warm weather coming on, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Garden State of Hockey. Let's go Devils. Go Devils. See you next time. 